morning, everybody. Happy Mondays for those at work while everyone else is on summer oh. break. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my fellow Mirror columnist and associate editor, Kevin Maguire. Hello, Kevin. Morning, Foxy. Uh, now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. Uh, and please, seeing as there's probably very few of you because everyone else is on holiday, please do ask <laughs> us something today, all right? Otherwise, it's just me and Kevin sitting in shooting breeze. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to look forward to going away in September when everyone else comes back to work. So... What have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on a poll showing that 74% of the public back tougher penalties for the owners of dangerous, out-of-control dogs. More on that a bit later. First, I want to go to page two, because the biggest story of the day elsewhere is going to be that the first 50 migrants are apparently due to board the Bibby Stockholm Barge in Dorset in what might just be the most expensive PR stunt since a Downing Street advisor went all the way to Barnard Castle when he should have gone to Specsavers. Now, Kevin, take us through this. What's what's happening and why do we think it's today? Yeah, it's a bash a migrant week in the government's summer agenda to try and make it appear to, to be doing something. And after weeks of delays, the Bibby Stockholm uh, with Portland in, in the movie in the media has been tipped off this is the case that's not to say the, the buses mightn't turn up to collect them from hotels or there might be another hiccup but it's uh, happened today the government's having a big push on on this because every policy has uh, effectively failed uh, Rwanda now is plan B 140 million quid wasted on that Suella Braverman the Home Secretary said she couldn't wait she was dreaming of people on flights well now the government is looking at other places. Five countries in Africa have been looked at, including Niger, which is a little coup, of course. Uh, and Great time to send middle of a coup, military dictatorship. Yes, why don't we just send some uh, yeah. traumatised people into it? Look, Foxy, you, you know, and you put your finger on it, it's really about PR, all of this. They want to appear to be tough and as if they're acting, and they're just flash, uh, thrashing around, flailing around. That's why Ascension Island, 4,000 miles away, 1,000 miles off the coast of Africa, has now been suggested. I mean, these are crazy times, but the Bibby Stockholm is a reality. Um, it won't save a huge amount of money. One uh, charity suggested it might be 10 quid a night saved compared to what would happen if uh, people went into home hotels. Uh, Long locals, including Tory MPs, don't want it there. Uh, they've doubled the capacity, put bulks in, so rooms that were designed to hold one person now will hold two. The fire brigade union and firefighters raised concerns about um, potential blazes on it because some of the people on it will be troubled and will not want to be there. And so often fire is, is used as a, as a way of uh, protesting. You see that in prisons or the prisons are better at dealing with it. So it's a uh, it's it's a hell of a mess, but yeah, the government wants the TV cameras there, and people uh, are seen if they do going along the uh, you know the, the gangway onto that boat, so we can say it's making making progress because it's just utterly failed. It hasn't stopped the boats, and net migration is at a record six hundred thousand, which is way ahead of anything that ever happened during Britain's membership of the European Union. And Brexit was sold in in large part to people as a way of taking back control to cut migration. And it hasn't happened. No. And it's, you know, it's worth pointing out that that 600,000 migration figure is the legal migration. 
Yeah. Right? That's, that's not the asylum seekers. That's about 161,000 asylum seekers in the country last year. So it, it doesn't touch the sides. Now, and that Ascension Island thing, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, viewers, viewer, if you're there, but um, <laughs> I suspect, I, I think I can recall Pretty Patel suggesting Ascension Island a couple of years ago, back in about 2020, and being told that it was expensive and stupid and bad, and she couldn't, and she oh, and I had to throw the idea out. But yet it's coming back again. It's like a zombie policy. Yeah, well, in some ways it's a zombie government. Uh, all they do is uh, uh, moan uh, as if they've never been in power. And uh, infamy, infamy, everybody's got it in for me. Uh, it's uh, you carry on failing. Mm. Uh, they, uh, no, they, they're just dusting down. I suppose we'll have wave machines in the Channel next, or them, uh, the Royal Navy somehow pushing small dinghies back. You know, all those daft things that were yeah. floated and then and then rejected. But yeah. uh, but but Labour have said they would. Yeah, you know, they, they say, well, we'll inherit a mess, so they would keep the Bibby Stockholm or other other uh, barges and the military uh, camps that are being converted. Um, because, of course, you know, the, the only real answer is, one, you stop the channel crossings. Two, if people come across and have no right to claim, or the majority do when they get here, then you have somewhere to return them if you have a, a, a agreements. And three, you have to process people quickly. Mm -hmm. One of the big problems is the, the whole system is incredibly just clogged up because the government didn't get a grip early on. It didn't respond very quickly. No, it's, but, it's, all, it's, all, it's all about PR and politics now, rather than really addressing the main problem. Yeah. Well, what do you think, everybody? Are you happy that the Bibby Stockholm is going to start being um, filled up today? Or would you rather that it was, uh, you know, stayed empty and went back to wherever it came from? Mike says, good morning. Yes, that, welcome back. And to you, Mike. Um, at least Mike's here. Um, now, the thing is that, the the as they've Kevin's been saying, there's been delays in getting this barge up and running. And when it's full, it could house uh, 500 male solo migrants. But that is just 0.3 percent of the 161,000 asylum seekers we've actually got. It's, it's nothing. But it's about bringing the price down. And there's running costs of about 20,000 a day for this barge, so it'll cost 40 quid a day per migrant. But as Kevin says, that might might be only a saving of 10 quid on some of the rooms they're in. Some of them are supposed to be in like 100, 200 pound a night hotels, but they're obviously getting a cheap deal as well. But then we'll throw on the security costs of actually patrolling around that ship and the staffing costs of people that are on there, because you've got to have doctors, you've got to have psychiatrists, and you've got to have home office and border force people. Then the costs just get there far higher than having hotels. Um, but of course, they don't get room service included in the hotels. In fact, some hotel owners do get to clean up and take more profits than for rooms that um, you or I wouldn't sleep in. But Kevin, overall, the government would need 322 barges to house all the asylum seekers. Now, it does say today that it's in talks with other ports, but it's never going to be able to provide 300 barges, is it? No. And what you find is that uh, Tory MPs who say, look, something must be done the moment a barge is... Uh, proposed near them or disused military bases uh, proposed for conversion, they then kick off. Uh, and I suppose no one really would want one of these barges moved to them. So moved near them. It's not just Tory uh, APs because you you know it's just creating a, a problem. When you put that number of people in one place, you're going to get some local resentment, unfortunately. Mm. Um, 
And so it's it's just not it's just not the it's just not the long term answer. But the government didn't seem to have a long term answer because of course it put all its eggs in a Rwanda basket, which was meant to be a deterrent because it could only take a few hundred people anyway in Rwanda. But they managed to to sell it uh, to to excite uh, you know, knuckle scraping bigots is is really what it's all about to try and get them to vote Tory at the at the election. This is what it is all about. And you hear somebody like Robert Jenrick, the immigration minister, Suella Braverman the Home Secretary, and they sound as if they've, you know, they've just landed in their jobs day one. They don't accept all the mistakes they've made over many, many years, and they will attack Labour. That's fair enough. That's part of politics. But they never like to really discuss in detail their policy because they, they have failed, and they have failed miserably on their own terms. Yeah. What do you think, everybody? Do you think the Tories are on to a winner here as far as the voters are concerned? Or do you think that... You know, this is going to bite them on the bum in the long run. Mike says, if and when <clears throat> there is a tragedy on the refugee prison ship, ministers will deny any responsibility for any harm and the rabid right-wing MPs in the party will say it shows refugees shouldn't come here. I don't doubt, Mike, that at some point some might say it was uh, some kind of Labour lawyer as well who was responsible for, you know, setting a fire or something like that. Now, the question is... What would Labour do that's any different? Like you said, Kevin, Stephen Kinnock, the shadow immigration minister, has said that on day one, if this is the existing infrastructure they inherit, they're going to have to deal with it and they'll keep sending people to the barges or Rwanda mm -hmm. or whatever is working at that particular time or not working, the case may be. But if Suella Braverman wants to present and Robert Jones want to present like this, this theatre of cruelty to the voters ahead of mm -hmm. a general election in order to sort of appeal to some Tory voters... Is Labour not going to put off all the other Tory voters who don't like this policy, and there's quite no. a few of them, and an awful lot of their own voters as well, by not saying it's got a better solution than these, basically a prison hulk? Yeah, well, Labour's uh, present itself as we'd be more competent in that they'd set up a special police force to take on the traffickers running the, running the boats across the channel. They also say because they're more outwardly looking, they could do the deals to return people to countries if they're found not to have a, a valid reason um, to stay in Britain. But they haven't actually formally said they would tear up Rwanda, although I think that, uh, that is likely, although you may not have to tear it up because the Court of Appeal has ruled it's, uh, it's unlawful and that policy will presumably go to the Supreme Court. And if that rules it's unlawful, well, the government will have just waste 140 million quid. Uh, but they'll, they'll blame everybody else, of course. But uh, the illegal immigration bill going through um, uh, Parliament, or it's just gone through Parliament, you can't even say that is legal either. So there'll be legal challenges. But you're right, Labour don't have a, a magic wand. And the truth is, all politicians should just say, look, this is, this is a very difficult problem. There's huge movements of people around the world. Some... Some are refugees fleeing terror. Others are economic migrants fleeing um, star, uh, starvation, drought, and extreme hardship. Only a very, very, very small number come to Britain. It's incredibly small. Mm. And, and I think that, that those boats will never be stopped because even if a legal route into the UK was devised for people who, once they get here, and the majority, once they get here, are found to have valid reasons in the national law or own law to be here, the others would presumably still try. So those boats would still be, be coming. But I think politicians have to, have to be honest and say, look, if 
we've got to do our bit around the world and people when they get get here are allowed to stay they work they pay tax uh, they, they become teachers they run businesses uh, some, some become <laughs> sports stars brain surgeons you know that's, that you know, that's what happens working though is the the uh, attitude that labor had under blair and brown which was that we have to deal because because there was this section of society they wanted to appease david blunkett as home secretary stopped asylum seekers working stopped them paying yeah, taxes started forcing them out and became, put them, made them a cost on the public purse rather than a gain, and that caused yeah. the problems we've got now. Yeah, a, a million a million or so vacancies in the economy, jobs that are there to be done but are undone because there aren't the people that do it, and at the same time we're, we're enforcing idleness on people who, who want to you know, pull their weight, pay their way. It's a, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a mad, it's a mad bar, and I think we have to have that decision with and you've got, to, you've got to start that. Actually, migrants are good for Britain. Asylum seekers have been good for Britain. Uh, and, of course, you need to police your borders. Every state does. But you've got to change the conversation. So uh, uh, it's get away from that Suella Braverman invasion rhetoric, which was uh, clearly calculated to dig her out of a, out of a hole. Um, if you wanted a diversion, not least from uh, the mistake she she'd made, uh, it kind of worked for her in one way, but it is really it's really poisonous, toxic politics. Yeah, it's not very nice, is it? As we got David Cameron was heavily criticised for saying exactly that kind of thing what a decade ago, and they still they still mm. sort of double down on it. Now we need to move on to the main story of the day. Peter says, "Why is it all men, not women and children?" I'll tell you why, Peter. It is women and children. A third of them are women and children. Right, a good chunk of them are whole families that come over. And if you are a young man in somewhere like Sudan, where you get conscripted into the military at about fifteen, and you are never allowed to leave the military, and when you're in the military, you have to kill and murder and rape, and you get treated terribly badly. You leg it, mate, rather than get conscripted into that. And your family will all bunch together and pay people traffickers to get the young man who's at most risk in that situation out of the country. That's why. Because if you were, you, Peter, in, in this country, you look like a man in your middle years from your profile picture. If you had a son who was 18, about to be conscripted into very definite abuse and murder or unpleasantness for life where he would get stuck there you would pay to get him out of the country that's why it's often men go first because they don't want to send the women and children first because it's difficult to get there wherever it is you're going and most people don't come to the uk as kevin said despite the fact um that we have a reputation for tolerance and uh, and better weather. Climate change as well is one of the things which is causing failed states all around the world. They're causing wars, causing religious fundamentalism, causing economic collapse, causing uh, starvation and famines, as Kevin said. And they want to come to countries where they don't have such severe climate change. What we've got in this country is some floods and some hot summers, right? So people would rather be here than there. And they're not all, all piling up here. So just doing our bit, seeing as we cause some of that climate change would probably not be too bad, would it? I think we'd cope. Anyway, we need to move on to uh, the, the other main story of the day. 
And an exclusive poll for the Mirror has found that three quarters of people support tougher sentences for those who own dangerous dogs that attack. Now, they're backing grieving mums uh, like Emma Whitfield, who's quoted in the paper today, whose son Jack Lease was mauled to death by an American bully XL in 2021. Now, the owner, who's called Brandon Hayden, got just four years and is due out next year. While Amy Salter, um, who allowed the dog to be in her home, uh, got just three years and is due out very, very soon. Now, Emma says that between them, they took a life and got minimal repercussions. Now, Kevin, riddle me this. Why is it when Tory backbenchers and the voters in general are so up for it, does the government have, as it's revealed there, absolutely no plans to increase sentencing guidelines for what is effectively manslaughter? Oh, you mean uh, out of touch, inept, incompetent, uh, useless, lazy, losing direction, running out of power, just uh, thinking how can it win a general election? Uh, they've scraped the bottom of the barrel to get ministers after nearly 14 years. They're kind of politically exhausted. The talent pool is very thin. I think that's probably all the reasons why. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Maybe, I think you picked maybe, it up quite nicely, Kevin. That's uh, maybe, 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 Foxy, they're also worried about some dog owners who will feel uh, persecuted if uh, tougher rules come in. Or you know, there will there will be people who own really pretty fearsome dogs and keep them under control, and are, and are good are good owners. But you know, those dogs can turn. And there are four breeds banned under the Dangerous Dogs Act, but then there are. A, Many others, including these bully XLs, seven and a half, eight stones there, are absolutely ferocious. I just, I just don't think there's a place for them in the in our country. Um, I, I like dogs. Uh, lots of friends with dogs. Don't have, don't have one myself. Don't have a lifestyle for it. But these very fearsome beasts that can quite easily kill. I know little dogs can nip you, and any dog is perhaps and it can be can be you know turned into, into something that will go for you at some point if it's provoked or, or whatever but i just think these huge dogs you, you see them i go out running and i say and i say i think god blimey if that comes for me i've just got zero chance yeah but some blimey. people see my dog who's quite big and uh when he's when there's joggers right he does give him a bit of a bark and he's got a fearsome bark but if they stopped and made a fuss of him, he'd just be a soppy idiot and he wouldn't have any problems. Now, the problem with the the, the Mirror's got this campaign to control dangerous dogs after the, the number of dog attacks rose to 22,000 last year. Now, there are not 22,000 American bully XLs in the country. Uh, but in 2022, dog attacks killed children aged two, aged three, aged four, aged 17 months and three months. Little ones who can't really defend themselves. Now, the thing that bugs me a bit about this, Kevin, is... Jack Lisa case aside, the people who own the dangerous dogs who get punished for it are often the parents and the grandparents of the child who has died. Uh, I mean, they've already got a life sentence. So does locking them up for longer make anything any better for anybody? No, in some ways, no. I, uh, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. If, look, if, if a dog a very fierce dog mauled to death your child how how long would be long enough for you to feel justice was served? how long would you want the owner to be you know to be jailed I'm, I'm not sure that's you know that's the answer those longer longer sentences i think we have to i think we have to remove some of the fiercest most dangerous breeds 
and then we've somehow got to make owners more responsible. How you do that, I, I don't know, because anyone just can go and buy a dog. Exactly, mm -hmm. and there is talk about, what do you think, everybody? What? How do you feel about dangerous dogs? Do you think they should be tougher sentences? Do you think that, that the issue is the dogs or the owners? Um, what's the real problem here? Is it the fact that we need to ban breeds that is the issue, or is it the fact we should ban some people from owning dogs? And how do you do that? How could you possibly run it? Now, the Dangerous Dog Act is a really bad piece of legislation. I think it was introduced by the last Labour government. Um, and no, as Tories brought it in. Yeah. Did they? It was yeah. a, a knee-jerk reaction to some, some dog attacks. Um, and it means, if, essentially, that a perfectly well-behaved dog that a police officer thinks looks like a banned breed, doesn't even have to prove they're a banned breed, just looks like they're a banned breed, can be put down. Well, we all know dangerous pedigrees can be hauled around the streets on the end of a lead uh, without any training without, and can buy whoever they please, effectively. Is there not an argument, think, Kevin, that to improve that law, to impose some kind of duty of care and training on dog owners, or perhaps at least, you know, ban dogs? I've, I've lost count of the number of times I've seen inquests about dog attacks and the per the owner bought them in a pub car park at the back of someone's yeah. boot, bought them on tiktok they have no idea how to train or look after an animal carrie says no dog is born bad there is no american bully xl puppy who will bite your head off they have to be trained they have to yeah be trained. No, no i think i think that's right you've got to have a licensing system in some way if you're going to have uh, have a dog and pr prove you're going to be responsible prove you're going to look after it somehow compulsory classes and mm. uh, now every dog should be chipped i'm not sure every dog is chipped so so its owners can be found you've got to stamp out the trade in pub car parks which i think is, is probably unlawful anyway now but you, you try you have to you have to somehow enforce it and, and to do that you would need more police officers because look, we all we all know the road is stretched now you yeah, it ended up being like a council responsibility and they wouldn't do it. And there'd be, yeah. you know, there, there are some communities and there are some people who are just, you know, less well off who are not going to pay for a license. No, That's but you're perfectly good with a dog. Yeah, but pe people shouldn't be living in fear of going out of their houses because there are dogs, some, some running wild, some not. Well, some owners who have weapon dogs who actually use them to intimidate. Uh, and you know, almost every every case, um, or, or some, many many cases, you see, you know, like a child is left with a dog, which a child shouldn't be left with with a dog, particularly not a strange dog, particularly not an incredibly muscular, uh, fierce dog. Mm. No, it can be pretty stinky. So what do you think, everybody? Have you got a solution? Do you think uh, that there's some way around this that, that no one's cracked yet? What would be your solution to the whole thing? Mike says the perception of some breeds is the problem. I've known some people own Rottweilers who say they're the softest dog you can make, but they look terrifying. The person makes a dog tame or dangerous. My personal bugbear, Kevin, is the tiny little dogs that on a tiny little lead that just get dragged around by their owner because they're small. So when they're yapping and when they're dangerous, they just haul them away whereas i've got a dog that's quite big i can't physically drag him away all the time so therefore i've had to train him but you've got a little tiny dog you don't bother training them and it's those are the ones that bite the postman bite the baby all the rest of it carrie says i'm the owner of a crossbreed mastiff massive dog sees and deemed a pitbull type it was a trained well-behaved dog it just looked dangerous it is a ridiculous law it is rather it needs sorting out <clears throat> but the truth is 
you know, there's no such thing as a dangerous dog, just a dangerous owner. Many of the dogs in these attacks have been rendered sort of psychotic, damaged by poor treatment, abuse, lack of exercise, poor diet, all these other things. Um, it's not the dog's fault. Shouldn't we just educate people better, Kevin, maybe in schools or something about what to look out for, how to behave, what not to do? There's so many people grow up terrified of dogs that they just uh, know how to yes. care for them. Ah, uh, Foxy, in schools. It's always in schools. There's never going to be any time to learn to read, write, and uh, <laughs> yeah, your sums, is there? It's always everything that's wrong in society now. It's sorted in schools. I think schools could do a lot, but teachers are, you know, uh, aren't miracle workers. There's so many hours in the day. Look, I, I just come to remove the most fear, the most fearsome breeds and then uh, require and then force uh, owners to be more responsible of the dogs that uh, we legally allow. I think, that, I think that, is the, that is the way and it does need education. But if you can just tip up and buy a dog, that's, that's it. And I think we're never going to be able to do, uh, we're gonna, never going to be able to do that. I think it's somehow yeah. they have to prove you're going to look after it before you get it. Uh, yeah. People who, people who, breeders are, I've come across it very often. They will want to make sure you're going to be a responsible owner. They do. They won't want to just give you a dog that you might mistreat. But there are people, other people who will go, you know, as you say, you know, the pup, the pup car park type, the people who will kick a dog, whip a dog, treat it badly, give it poor diet, not exercise it properly, never bother to train it. Now they, they are a big problem, these people, because those dogs, they're potential weapons. Yeah. Now, uh, Renata said there's no such thing as a dangerous dog, just dangerous owners. Richard, I think it was, that there was an exemption if you could prove that your dog was well behaved and muzzled it in public, that um, if it was one of the so-called looked like it was a dangerous breed, you're able to get away with it. There you go, Richard. If you can prove your dog to be safe. Um, that was true in 2016 anyway. It may have been altered now. I think perhaps part of the reason they don't, the government isn't tackling this is because um, it would actually involve rewriting some chunky legislation that as kevin said the tories brought in originally anyway that hasn't been very fair or hasn't very reasonably done and also it means taking away a freedom your freedom to go and buy a dog in a pub car park and they don't like that kind of thing it's ideologically against everything they right. you know i can't see why you can't just get I don't know, a dozen a dozen people you know, some dog owners some breeders some behavioral experts some people who suffered you know from dogs attacking their their family members get a couple of lawyers get them all together uh, over several months i'm sure they could come up with something that was workable and fair to, to everybody that would protect the public and not penalize responsible dog owners there must be a way of doing it yes you'd have thought so but i'm sitting here with a with a plaster on my finger because the dog decided he wanted some of my corned beef sandwich <laughs> wanted to have my corned beef sandwich and we had a tussle and my knuckle lost <laughs> Sorry so, <laughs> honestly, he's soft and lovely, so long as it's not a corned beef sandwich in it. Um, now, thanks for that, Kevin. Thank you, everybody. We need to move on a little bit. Uh, so, we have got some good news in the world. We found it for you, and here it is. Now, some people think modern art is all a load of rubbish, and when it comes to Bonnie Stewart's two-dimensional renderings of scenes around her hometown of Porthleven in Cornwall, they are absolutely correct. Now, Sandy Warhol, as she's been dubbed there by the sub, uh, collects rubbish off the beach and then turns it into art with seaside images, which are made from old packets of what's-its, fishing nets, toothbrushes, bits of old tennis balls. 
Um, Bonnie, she's been Bonnie's been picking up plastic off the beach, isn't that, for for years, and has turned it into something beautiful. There, as you can see, Kevin, is this proof that there is beauty and value even in the things we throw away? Perhaps we shouldn't uh, give them away at all. Yeah, I love Bonnie Stewart saying, "My work is all about trying to create something that people want to look at, based on something we too often look away from." I think that's a really Nicely put by our uh, Sandy Warhol, great uh, headline, whoever came up uh, with that. The problem, and, and you know this, Foxy, the problem is, would you want to look at it in your house? I think the <laughs> idea, the concept is is brilliant. Uh, I think it's wonderful. And uh, her imagination and initiative is, 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 very, is very charming and engaging. But would you want to hang an old toothpaste brush and a bit of a bean can and some, you know, a drink <laughs> bottle in your sitting room. I I tend to think not. <laughs> no, um, so it's, it's, it's a great idea. I like it. I like it. And uh, you know, the, the pictures you create to collages are fantastic. But what do you do with them? No, maybe it's one for a museum rather than the um, rather than the living room wall. But I do think she's got herself in a bit of a pickle because, you know, if she's highlighting the problem of plastic waste and things that are thrown away and wants to stop people doing that, she would then run out of raw material and have no art with which else <laughs> yeah. to pay the mortgage. So, I mean, as a business plan, it yeah. lacks something. I, th I, th I think she's probably creative and clever enough to diversify into something else. She's clearly got so. a, a terrific imagination. Yes, it's, it's good use for it, at least, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Highlight the problem. So, well done, Bonnie. Thank mm. you for that, um, Kevin, taking us through all those things. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. You were There were some of you there. Hooray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of you will be here, too, um, for another edition of the News Agenda, uh, when we'll have to see if anybody did actually move on to that migrant barge, won't we? And if it's made the tiniest bit of difference, of course it won't, because I can tell you right now, that the same day that they go on that barge, there'll be a whole bunch of journalists on the cliffs of Dover, binoculars going, can you see any? Because that's the obvious story that's going to come next. That's what I'd be doing anyway if I was an editor. Still not happening. Um, thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you, everyone, for taking part. We'll see you all again on Wednesday. If you are listening on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find us. Until then, everybody, thank you very much. Tatty bye. Bye-bye.